Hey guys, welcome to the Third and Twenty Dynasty Podcast. I'm JT. I'm back with uh, the regulars, Jake and Lunas, and we actually have a special guest uh, from the Third and Twenty Podcast himself and the leader of the Third and Twenty Gang, Frank. Um, Come on, guys. Welcome, Frank. Frank. Welcome. So we're going to try something different this week. We're going to, instead of doing our weekly recaps, which tend to take a lot of time, we're instead going to do some dynasty highlights. And then we're going to switch it up with a midway through the season rookie redraft. We want to see like what uh, changed for us, who we like, who we don't. So uh, Jake, if you want to kick things off with our dynasty highlights, feel free. Yeah. So my first big highlight of the week was a pretty easy one for me to pick out. Honestly, it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I know some people might think this is, not such a great take as the Chiefs just signed Le'Veon Bell. I know, but with him inactive last week, he put up 161 yards on 26 carries. Um, obviously, Bell is going to impact this moving forward for the rest of this season. But long term, uh, Bell's not going to be a Chief long term. They're just not going to pay him. It's not going to happen. Don't get your hopes up there, Chiefs fans. But um, this. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a good running back for many years to come in this league as long as he stays in this Chiefs offense and even if he leaves this offense. Um, My other highlight from the week was Will Fuller. He had 11 targets, six receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I know it seems like every year people say, like, oh, if Will Fuller could stay healthy, he's going to be a good receiver in fantasy, but he's actually doing it this year. He's, I know it's only been through six weeks, but he's starting to look like Deshaun Watson's favorite target without DeAndre Hopkins now. And if he continues to stay healthy, he's pretty young still, and I think he could be a nice buy in any dynasty league. Uh, yeah, I, uh, what were you going to say? What's the deal with Will Fuller's contract? Is he signed long-term to the Texans? Uh, give me two seconds. I can look that up for you. But I believe he hasn't signed an extension off his rookie deal yet. But All right. while, while you look that up, he is currently a wide receiver one, um, which I would not have guessed um, going into the beginning of this year. Um, he Injury issues, like once someone's in, is injured multiple years in a row, like I'm always wary about wanting to pick them up because durability is such a huge part. Like they're not going to get you any points if they're not playing. Um, but yeah, he, he has looked really good this season. Um, were you able to find what's. Yeah. So he is an unrestricted free agent after the year. So he might be heading somewhere else. He might not be. I it's think they up in the air. I don't, I think so as well. I don't see why they wouldn't. They drafted him in the first round and he's, hasn't put up crazy numbers where he's going to get a crazy contract like a Julio Jones or Michael Thomas or anything like that. So he probably will resign with the uh, the Texans for a pretty reasonable contract. Sean also go ahead, Frank real quick, like JT hit the nail on the head. The whole problem will Fuller has just been the injuries when he's playing and when he's healthy with Deshaun Watson, he's just been absolutely electric. Like he has put up crazy fantasy numbers. Every will Fuller owner knows that. It's just been the whole he can't stay on the field aspect of this game, which he seems to be on the right track this year and fixing. And I think that's the main reason why Bill O'Brien was okay with letting DeAndre Hopkins go and not paying him was the fact that he knew he had Will Fuller, who 
may not be as talented as Hopkins, but he sure does have the production when he's on the field. Yeah, good points. Um, and Watson was also quoted this week saying that, like, his guys aren't going. Like, uh, there are trade rumors about maybe Randall Cobb or, like, Kenny Stills being on the move. And Watson's like, no, those, those are my guys. Like, they're staying. So, as long as Deshaun Watson wants him back, I'm pretty sure Will Fuller will be staying with the team. Uh, I agree with that. The one thing I will say, I wouldn't be totally surprised if Kenny Stills is traded. He's been kind of underwhelming this year. But um, I agree with what you guys said about Will Fuller. Um, unless anyone else has anything to say on Will Fuller, I'll get to my highlights or main takeaways from this weekend, starting with the mess that is the Rams' backfield. Um, <clears throat> one of the big things I've kind of noticed this year with rookies is most of the first draft hasn't really had any busts besides one. Like most, most of the first draft, like the quarterbacks have looked good. We still have yet to see Tua, but um, the backs have looked good. Obviously, Swift, you kind of want to see him get more carries, but everyone's looked pretty good except for Cam Akers. Cam Akers had one snap last weekend against the 49ers. Um, it looks like Henderson's been the lead back, and he's been playing well, which I guess kind of makes it hard for the coaches to move on from him. It, like I don't know if this is going to kind of turn into a Chris Carson, uh, Rashad Penny situation. Even though there's higher capital in one guy, um, as the starter keeps on playing well, it's hard to move from him. And Daryl Henderson, they still did spend two-thirds on. But I really don't know what to think of Cam Akers right now. And I kind of wanted to get some of your guys' thoughts. Obviously, there's still a lot of time. He's still only a rookie. He was injured the first couple of weeks. And he looked pretty good when he came in against the Redskins last week. But McVay's quotes uh, just earlier this week were saying, oh, Henderson's our first and second down guy. Brown's our third down, third down guy. And uh, and like acres still isn't there yet. So I don't like, should, should acres owners be concerned? I wouldn't push the panic button just yet. Like you said, he's been, he was injured early in the season. He basically missed two and a half games, a little more than that. And I was surprised by what happened this week where he only got one snap. Like this was just after one week where he put up, you know, 61 yards on nine rushing attempts, which is, Six put 6.8 yards per carry, which is fantastic. And McVay came out and said, Acres load's going to increase. And instead, he had one snap. I don't know if this was a punishment for missing a meeting. I don't know if this was something like along those lines or not. But I was very surprised by this. But if I was an Acres owner, I wouldn't be panicked yet. He's still a talented back, and they spent a lot of draft capital in him. They're not going to get rid of him after one or two years. Yeah, but my issue with Acres, I mean, we talked about it last week. I was lower on Acres than uh, most other people on the podcast. But, like, my issue is Daryl Henderson is not bad. <laughs> like, Daryl Henderson has had a really strong season so far. Um, and so even if Acres does shine and, like, does become really good, like, I think he's always going to have Daryl Henderson behind him at, at, at Acres' best. I think he'll still be sharing carries with Henderson, which is just not kind of what you want out of, you know, pick one five in the draft. I mean, like there were worse busts the previous year with like Nick Keel Harry at pick one, four, one, three, wherever people drafted him. Um, but if I were an owner of acres, I think I'd still try and move him. If I could find someone in the league who still believes he's worth, you know, a, a mid to late first rounder. Cause I, I think you honestly have a better shot of getting someone who's going to be worth way more than that uh, in next year's draft. But that's just my take on acres. 
I think one thing with Acres though that you have to remember is just kind of the system he plays in. The Rams, they're a team that, especially in a COVID year, they're they're a team that when they huddle and they get down to the line of scrimmage, they snap the ball instantly or check into something they like. So, like from an outsider's perspective, obviously we're not in the room. This is a tough offense for a rookie to pick up. And the whole COVID thing just adds on to that. And Acres hasn't been playing and practicing the past couple weeks. So while I do agree with you, JT, like I, I do think not necessarily that you should panic, but if I took him like I, in a draft, I took him at 104. I traded him after the draft. But um, like if, if I spent that kind of draft pick on him, I definitely wouldn't be happy with what's going on. I would definitely like to see him be on the field, but at the end of the day, I, I don't think that you should like sell so way undervalue just because you're not seeing him on the field. I think he'll get his shot eventually, but I do agree with the points you were saying in that if you were hoping for a bell cow, it, that's not really looking like the case anytime soon. Yeah, and I agree with what both you guys said. Um, I wouldn't say full panic mode, but Henderson looked good. 14 carries for 88 yards on 6.3 yards a carry against the 49ers defense. That's pretty good. And just throughout the season, uh, he's looked solid. So even if Akers, like you said, uh, does kind of take over more of a role, Henderson's still kind of always going to be there. And to be fair to Akers, Henderson didn't get much work his rookie year either. Like you kind of see rookies may take some time to learn that offense. Henderson did not get much work at all his rookie year. Henderson's also good in the passing game too, which is one thing that Akers didn't really show at school was he, he wasn't necessarily used in the passing game really at all. Um, just ba- on some basic screens, very basic routes. But McVay and that staff, they're asking Henderson to, to do more than just be a check down option or a screen pass option. You see him plenty of times running wheel routes, um, Texas concepts, just random, you know, more than just your static running back. They're asking him to do a whole lot, and he's been doing really well with that. So that, that's just one aspect that you get out of Daryl Henderson that you really don't get out of a running back like Akers. No, I completely agree. So, um, it's like Mar- Malcolm Brown's a free agent this offseason. Um, we know they like to use multiple backs. Like, even the snaps, it was 32 to 27 between Henderson and Brown. So, I do think, especially when that happens, I would expect a bigger second-year jump out of Cam Akers. So, he might even be a buy-low this offseason, but he definitely hasn't lived up to his draft capital. Wait, real quick, Lunas, real quick. I just want to pose the question to everyone. Yes. Do you think McVay and the Rams are just scared of what happened with Todd Gurley and they will always have a committee from now on because they saw what happened if you rely on one running back, pay him the big contract, and he doesn't produce? This might just be an organization that doesn't want to use just one guy or just have one guy available, that they want to have a different committee of guys to where – they can just play the matchup. And if they have a matchup they like or some sort of scheme they like any given week, you could see whoever get the ball and have the hot hand. Um, I mean, it's I very pers- possible. Uh, Jake, go ahead. It's very possible. I mean, we saw the demise of Todd Gurley happen pretty rapidly from being the best running back in football to cut at this offseason. So, I think it definitely is in the back of the GM's mind who had to go out and get more running backs. It's definitely in the mind of uh, uh, McVay who like used him in the offense and realized he just ran him straight into the ground. Um, so I, that's definitely a good point. I never thought of it that way. 
And I think it's very possible from for at least the rest of McVay's tenure in rent in LA that that is what they do. Yeah. Just like maybe a possible buyer beware on any running back for the Rams. If, if you're looking to, whether it's Daryl Henderson or you're trying to buy low on acres, just if you're going to give up heavy draft capital or good win now players, just maybe something to keep in the back of your mind before you pull the trigger that this just might be their philosophy from now on after learning what, what happened with the whole Todd Gurley debacle. Um, uh, what is it? No, I completely agree. I do think it's always going to be a two-back offense because uh, I think that's what kind of McVay just generally wants. Like Even Malcolm Brown still getting a lot of touches, and he hasn't really shown much this year besides week one. But um, moving on to my next highlight, I want to start it off with an initial question. And this goes forwarded uh, toward it, uh, directly towards Jake. Jake, there have been three players <laughs> – with 10-plus targets in three straight games this season. One is Keenan Allen. One is Allen Robinson. Can you guess the third? I mean, I, I know who it is. <laughs> I don't. I really don't need to say it. I, I, it's Travis Fulgham. <laughs> but uh, thanks for that. Thanks for rubbing it in a little bit. Yeah, it is. Fuck, Jake. Wait, who is it, Jake? You said what? It's Who is it, Jake? Um... It ends in JT's a bitch. <laughs> That's right. It is Travis Fulgham. Wait, what's uh, JT? The new, <laughs> the new uh, JT could probably start a Robbie receiver for the Eagles at this point. Um, but it is Travis Fulgham. Uh, we saw last night. Obviously, he, he still he had an okay game. There was um. Handled with five catches for 73 yards. It was just okay. You're on 10 fantasy points. But he got 11 targets. Um, there was there was a touchdown he kind of messed up on that it went through his hands that he could have got also. I think it was like a 15-yarder. But he's I, – I personally think he's legit. Obviously, my biggest fear, and I guess think a lot of fears, is that, oh, is he this year's Robert Foster? Like if people remember Robert Foster from a couple years ago on the Buffalo Bills, which it very could well be another one of those situations where when they bring in more talent, but um, last night with Deshaun on the field, he still got 11 targets. Um, the past four weeks on the Eagles, which is only four games playing, he scored 12.7, 26.2, 16.5, and 9.8. And three of those defenses were San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and the Ravens. So for me, hey, put some a, spec on my Giants defense. Giants, we actually, no, the Giants actually do have a good pass defense. Bradbury's very good. That's That was my one concern coming into that game because Bradbury's been a top five corner this season. Um, if not, you could argue top three. Uh, but I, I, I'm on the faith that he's legit. Also, just because the Eagles can't stop getting injured, we just saw now Deshaun Jackson's out. They said he might come back in December. We we have yet to see, um, because you know he already takes a while to get back from injuries, and that's at four to six weeks. So we're gonna see his timeline. But Rager is coming back soon, which I think he kind of just takes over the John Hightower role of just kind of that deep threat receiver. But it looks like he really has Wentz's trust. Uh, and I don't think they're going to take him out of the starting lineup uh, as some of these other guys come in. Because I don't know how you can. He's He's been the most productive Eagles receiver over the past – like a short game span over the past two years. Um, I want to get some of your guys' thoughts on him. What, what do you think he's valued at? Second rounder right now? That's tough. Yeah, but no, I feel like no, no Fulgham owner is going to move him for a third right now. Yeah, I'm I wouldn't. Mid, 
I wouldn't pay a second for him. If I if I, I was looking for a wide receiver, yeah, I wouldn't pay a second. But you're right. I don't think many people would move him for a third either. Because, like Luna said, when you get Rager back, and then when you get um, Goddard back, and then when Miles Sanders is healthy, he might have just been a product of opportunity. Not not necessarily saying that you know he won't be on the roster and he won't be fantasy viable anymore. But with that whole 10 targets a game scenario, it, you know, you, every Fulgham owner, including me, in the back of your mind is saying, well, I'm not sure this guy's going to see this kind of workload every game for the rest of the season and in, into the future. So, like, I'm just posing the question, if, if you were to get a second round pick for him or maybe even two thirds, are you moving him? Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. No, definitely two-thirds or a second. Yeah, you move him at that price. Because I think he's going to remain a starter, but Rager, Rager's a more talented receiver. Um, Goddard, is uh, he was playing really well. Obviously, Ertz is going to be out for a while, and there are trade rumors about him. Um, but Rager and Goddard coming back. Last, last game either against the Giants. He made a couple plays. Uh, who did? Hightower. Hightower, yeah. Reception, but, I mean, he's a rookie. You can always progress, like, I know he, he was older coming out, but you guys know who did not make a lot of plays? Yeah. JJ Arcega Whiteside. <laughs> that lawn chair. <laughs> he's been so bad. Lunas, is he still at lawn chair territory? Or is he I don't even know if he's a lawn chair anymore. He might he might just be like like a beach bucket. Like a kid's plastic right. beach bucket. I I guess I'll take crap for it, but you know. I didn't say he was going to be anything special. He was an end of the roster uh, person in the first place, just like a prospect. What I will say though is, what I'm feeling a lot better at that. Uh, what I'm feeling a lot better about that I was getting a lot of stuff for in the beginning of the year is Russell Gage. <laughs> Russell Gage does not look good since the first two games of the season. So we don't we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I want apologies. I want apologies from the group. <laughs> hey, I said Russell Gage would be nothing once Julio was healthy, and that was it. But and I was right. So I'm okay. okay, okay. He's he's a respectable receiver three on an NFL team, not fantasy relevant much. So I think he needs another shot at quarterback. He was throwing some dimes in that Dallas game. <laughs> I think you're just salty. Julio let him down. Yeah, Julio did drop a touchdown from him. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that was a dime. Um, all right, are we moving on to my my yeah, highlights? All right. Yeah, I got what you got. I got good news and bad news. Which one do you guys want? Bad news. Oh, they want the bad news. All right. Uh, Frank loves bad news. <laughs> Juju Smith Schuster. He hasn't had any production really this year. He's wide receiver 38 in PPR leagues. Um, and most of that's coming off his first two games of the season against, or two out of three games against the Texans and the Giants, um, where he got three and his only three touchdowns on the season. Um, the emergence of Chase Claypool, uh, James Washington's there, Deontay Johnson's getting hurt, and Juju's still not seeing um, nearly as many targets as he's seen in the past. Like, I don't know. Frank Frank is our resident Steelers fan. What are you thinking, Frank? I personally feel like Steelers are definitely moving on from him, but I just don't understand why he's had such a drop-off um, since two years ago. Yeah, it, it's looking more and more like we're not going to be able to pick him up. Uh, it definitely depends on what he's going to ask for in terms of a contract, because if he's going to ask for 
like top 15 receiver money, top 10 receiver money, which he very well deserves. Um, we're not going to be able to pay that. In regards to the production, um, honestly, I don't think if you ask many Juju fans that they would be shocked from this. Um, but at, at the same time, I'm not going to come out here and act like Juju Smith-Schuster isn't a number one receiver on this offense. Yes, Claypool's been having all the production, and, and James Washington has also been been having a couple good games here and there, but I still think at the end of the day, Juju Smith-Schuster is, is a good receiver to have. If he's on your roster, I am not selling low because, you know, with Juju Smith-Schuster, you're going to have those games where coming up, he's going to have some good weeks. I'm telling you right now, Juju Smith-Schuster, when, we, when we're able to get the ball in his hands and when we don't have such a favorable game script in a lot of these games. You know, the Steelers right now, we've been going up early in a lot of these games, trying to pound the rock. You know, you've seen James Conner get 20-plus carries a lot of the time. Once, Love to see that. Yeah, and granted, <laughs> the schedule's been pretty favorable as a Steelers fan. I will say that first and foremost. We've had a very favorable schedule. We haven't had to rely on Ben Roethlisberger's arm really since the Giants game when we got off to a rocky start, ever since then, the offense has just been moving like clockwork. Once, once this team has to face a little bit of adversity, and once we have to start airing the ball out, I think then you're going to see Juju Smith-Schuster have a lot more production. And I think one of the big problems is just that we've been having better matchups with guys like Claypool, guys like James Washington, where they're getting – you know, less coverage. They're getting the, the bottom tier corners on the teams they're playing up against. But I think that in the coming weeks, you're going to see a lot more emphasis on stopping Claypool and, and trying to stop the run, which will open up Juju. Okay. And now I have a couple questions for the group. So we'll start off with Frank kind of said it, but I want to pull the rest of the room. Do you think it's more likely than not that Juju will not be on the Steelers next year? Extremely yeah. likely, in my opinion, because the Steelers, yeah, they have they have a couple cap. Um, uh, what did they don't not they're not really like severely over the cap, but like they're yeah, still not are. like we are not oh. a good cap spot. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I, I know you guys aren't like Eagles or Saints bad because Eagles and Saints are really bad over the cap, but they they definitely don't have the cap room to sign like a huge contract. And I honestly think like heading into next season, a receiving core of Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and James Washington is more than good enough. And the Steelers are known to always be good at drafting receivers, so they can always draft someone in a later round. Um, I just don't see it. And I think a team like we saw Washington offer to Amari Cooper a ton last offseason. Uh, we know the Jets probably are going to be able to look at a receiver. That's my fear, that he just ends up getting a ton of money from one of those teams, and then the production just kind of fades away. I, I, I definitely understand that fear because while he hasn't had that production since, you know, when AB was around, in 2018 he goes to a different system it's just going to be rough and I think the thing that sucks about Juju from a fantasy perspective is that he's a better football player than he is fantasy receiver you know he's very good blocker he's a very smart football player and he's a, he's a hustler when he's on the field and, and that's just something that doesn't really show up in fantasy because in fantasy it's just all about the yards and the touchdowns which Claypool has just been eating up and yeah, I, I think you guys are right. It's just the problem with the Steelers is that we need to re-sign TJ Watt and 
it's looking like we're going to probably re-sign Bud Dupree after the past couple seasons he's had. So it's just – What about James Conner? Yeah, I think Conner could stick around because Conner did say he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, and I honestly think that he would take a lesser deal to stay in Pittsburgh than test – Learn from Le'Veon Bell's mistake. Yeah, instead of just going going out in free agency. I actually am not sure how much of a market there would be for James Conner. I mean, he's having a much better year this year than years prior. He, he's looking like the – I mean, he is the number one running back in Pittsburgh right now. And uh, But, I mean, it's not like the Steelers haven't drafted running backs behind him in two straight drafts. So, that's an interesting scenario. But I, I – there's just really no viable scenario unless Juju wants to take a very team-friendly deal where he sticks around. Okay, so we're all on the same page that Juju is most likely leaving the Steelers. My next question is, and Lunas touched on it a little bit, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is where he's going, he's going to be a wide receiver 1, like he'll have such great production, like – when Juju leaves and goes to a team in free agency, like how would you rate that scale of one to ten where his landing place probably will be? Maybe like I can't. I'm see thinking like, it's not very good. I'm gonna yeah, be honest. I was gonna I'm say thinking maybe. not very good. I'm leaning like three or four. Like I, I think there's a good chance that a team that's very desperate for a wide receiver that doesn't have a great quarterback is going to go out and overpay the guy and maybe not overpay him, but give him, like Frank said, that top 15 wide receiver, that top 10 wide receiver money. And the Steelers just aren't going to match that. And I don't think, I don't know if many teams that are better than that, like our Steelers caliber uh, teams have the cap space to pay a receiver that much money. Yeah. I'm with Jake on this. Was, he's, he summed up my point, pretty much what I was going to say exactly. And my, my faith would be a three because, like he said, I, I think it's just going to be a bad team like Washington or something that just pays him a ton. Like Washington tried to pay Amari Cooper a ton. And it just – I don't know. It's not going to be the same as that Pittsburgh production two years ago. I actually don't think Washington would be a terrible landing spot for him. My biggest I mean, it depends thing, who they have at quarterback. Yeah, that, that's true. I'll give you that. But my biggest thing is that, that you just yeah. can't rely on him to be a, a, a man coverage beater – with the number one guy on him. I think you can point clearly to the Ravens games last year where Marlon Humphrey was eating his lunch in man coverage. They just stuck him on him and said, listen, Marlon Humphrey is just better than you. And he got the best of them. The only times that Juju was really able to touch the ball, he fumbled. So I think that if, if he goes to a system like the Giants, where they're going to ask him to be a a number one or even like a one a to someone like Darius Slayton, kind of like the role he is right now, where it's like Claypool and him are kind of like one a and one B. Then I'm not going to like that system for his production because while for a team, he's a good football player. He'll do what he needs to do in terms of production. I'm not sure he might be one of those like 850, 900 yard kind of guys, just, you know, wide receiver two wide receiver three in dynasty where it's like oh well i i paid all this for him i thought he was going to be a you know a good wide receiver two i don't think you'll get that but if if you go to a team that has that dominant outside receiver where juju can just be a slot guy just be that number two then i think okay 
you know, he'll be able to, to develop a connection with the quarterback that he's playing with, whether that quarterback's good or bad. But if, if a team's going to rely on him to be a man coverage winner, then I think that's a really big recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the most likely scenario is he probably ends up on a team with a quarterback on a rookie deal because they're probably most likely going to be the teams that can afford him. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't imagine him ending up on any team with a real established quarterback or like a, a, a great scenario for him where he's not, like Frank said, having to beat man coverage. Um, so, yeah, I think he probably will see a dip in production. Um, now, if you guys want to hear the good news I have. Wait, real um, quick, real quick, real quick. Mm-hmm. Should you sell Juju? Yes. Well, yes. Easy I mean, yes. I mean, at at the price that he's being probably sold at, it was would be probably a first rounder plus. Like, I think right now a first rounder is fair for Juju. Just a late first, straight up. Are you selling? Yes or no? Oh, I wouldn't sell for, Juju for a late for that first. Price, I don't no, think but late if first. you're gonna get like a a a prospect wide receiver that has some upside and a late first, then I'm, I'm in. So I'm not too far off that price. I just don't think the junior <laughs> owner is going to want to do that after seeing him put up that many, those production to, in 2018. And real quick, before we move on, I do just want to say that Juju is still a very young receiver. He mm-hmm. was drafted. Oh, he's super young, super young. Um, and obviously, you know, he's got this whole branding thing going on, which I'm not sure if that's necessarily impacted his play or not. I know this offseason he was working out a lot more than than two years ago when when the whole Mason Rudolph debacle happened and the fall of Juju really started. But I was just curious, like kind of trying to gauge what the market for Juju really is right now, because to me, I think he's worth about like pick 10 and a good rookie draft. Like the rookie draft this year, I think that pick 10 would be a more than fair price. Um, yeah, but I'd, are you going to be able to get the owner of Juju to sell for that price? Because that's where I, I think the disconnect is. Yeah, I don't yeah, think true. the owner would sell. All right, get into the good news, JT. What's the good news? <laughs> All right, uh, I'll move on. Um, so the Vikings and Cowboys both have two wide receiver ones on the year and both teams have a rookie as one of their wide receiver ones. So the Vikings have Adam Thielen, who is wide receiver three currently on the year and Justin Jefferson, who's wide receiver, wide receiver seven with Kirk cousins as their quarterback, which is pretty interesting. And then you've got Amari Cooper at wide receiver five and CD lamb at wide receiver 10. These are PPR rankings currently. Um, now, there's part of it where Andy Dalton is now the Cowboys quarterback. And so, you know, Dak Prescott will not be feeding them 500-yard games where they both have tons of targets and tons of yards and touchdowns um, for the Cowboys. But it's very encouraging to see that it is possible for teams to sustain two wide receiver ones. I think, honestly, the Falcons probably could have been another one of those teams with Calvin Ridley, who I think is wide receiver one on the year. Um, and then Julio Jones, uh, had he been healthy, probably would not have been far behind. Um, so where I'm going with that is it's, I, I, I still love Jefferson and lamb for their value. Cause they're producing even with Andy Dalton in lamb had how many targets? I want to say lamb had 11, maybe it was nine targets last week. 
um, and still put up a decent game without any touchdowns. Um, and Jefferson's just been going off. And he's got Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. Garbage time, Kirk Cousins. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway, the biggest takeaway from all that is people used to always say, oh, it would take rookie wide receivers three years to develop. You normally have to wait for that third year breakout for wide receivers. And we've seen plenty of wide receivers already produced this year. We have Lamb. We have Jefferson. Um, Frank's going to touch on someone later that has been having a nice breakout. Chase Claypool. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's look good. Like wide receivers seem to be grasping it better. And this is a crazy off season too, where they didn't have a preseason. They didn't have preseason camp. They didn't have a whole huge training camp like they normally do. So I, I don't know. I, I maybe it's the NFL system is starting to fit the college system more as far as um, offensive play style is. Cause I, that's the only way I could think why, players are able to adapt so easily. I was wondering what your guys' take on this was. Yeah, well, you're I right. Mean, like, uh, go on, Frank. Go. All right, so basically, I think you're right. Like, I mean, the NFL is starting to become more like college in the sense that they're just opening these offenses up and letting these quarterbacks chuck the ball. It's becoming less and less of, of for a lot of teams, at least pounding the rock. And that just leads to more yards, more passing touchdowns and it just especially I mean we're talking about top end rookie talent here we're not talking about oh a rookie that was picked in the fifth round is doing this but but still like these rookies are coming out of um highly thought of schools that had a good offense and they're coming into good offenses yeah Kirk Cousins not so much but the Dallas offense especially with Dak was a very good offense and it's just leading to them producing or being part of these inflated stats that offenses are now putting up in the NFL. Yeah. I also um, think we need to give some, sorry, Linus, but I think we need to give some credit to the college coaching staffs that some of these guys are coming from. I mean, the wide receivers you just mentioned LSU. I mean, they've been producing some really talented receivers lately. Notre yeah. Dame has had plenty of good tight ends and receivers come out of that program. Oklahoma now with guys like Marquise Hollywood Brown and now CD lamb is a program that is really starting to churn out some really talented offensive football players. And I think the other thing is, like you said, not only are teams more open to, to just throw the ball 40, 50, 60 times a game. um, You're seeing a whole lot more concepts like RPOs and, and quick throws that are practically runs to the outside that has become the staple in the NFL. And I think that if you're a team that just lines up and, and just goes zone read over and over or outside zone over and over and over again, unless you're a team that's built like the Titans, that's just built for physicality, then you're just putting yourself at a disadvantage. That's true. Um, I was going to touch on uh, just a quick rapid fire thing. Uh, Cause we already kind of did this with CD lamb. Uh, I think two or three episodes ago. And I just want to ask you guys here, no analysis, just each of you give me one player or the other. I'm going to list a couple receivers in terms of Justin Jefferson's ranking in Dynasty. So pretty much you're telling me who, which receiver would you rather own in Dynasty between these two? I love just this. Real quick. Justin Jefferson or Jerry Judy? Jefferson. Jefferson. Frank? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this season it's Jefferson. close yeah jefferson uh justin jefferson or terry mclaurin 
Justin Jefferson. 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 Justin Jefferson or Stephon Diggs? Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Yeah, Diggs. Jefferson or Kenny Galladay? Kenny Galladay. Uh, I might take Jefferson there. Jesus Christ, JT. How are you possibly taking Jefferson over Galladay? I really like Jefferson. I don't know. I think they're all very close in that value. They're they're not they're they're that like high end like I don't know what tier that or maybe like a lower end tier two. I mean Kenny Galladay's a top ten dynasty wide receiver. I like <laughs> Yes, but it, it, that's where I've I've got Justin Jefferson not far off there. I have Justin Jefferson probably nine if Kenny Galladay's ten. Um that's fair. No, these supposed to be close. I'd personally take Galladay, but they're really close. Next, Jefferson or DJ Moore? Jefferson, easy. Jefferson. DJ Moore, I'm, I'm sorry. Easy. I love him. He's a turp, but Jefferson. Wow. I don't know if it's easy, but yeah, I'd still have Justin Jefferson. I mean, Robbie Anderson is taking a big chunk of Diggs' value, or not Diggs, uh, Moore's value. Yeah. And the last yeah. two, uh, really quick Jefferson or Chris Godwin? That one's a toss. I, I say that's even for me. I, I don't know. Like, I would do a one-for-one one trade depending on <laughs> who I felt. Like, there's, it's, like, the same for me. Yeah, that that's tough. Um, I was higher on Jefferson coming out than Godwin, so probably Jefferson, but I, I think that might be kind of a, a mistake. I um, think I have to go Godwin just because we've seen it. That's fair. That offense is so crowded, though. And you don't know what's happening with Tom Brady. I'm going to have to go Jefferson, I think, by a little. That, that's last, like dead even, though. It's close. I have Godwin by like a little bit. I think Jefferson actually might be better this season if Antonio Brown signs. But, again, this is long-term dynasty-wise. Hey, and that again, news just broke, Lunas. They don't know that yet. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Wait, did he officially um, sign? No, it's but it's very close. It looks like it's going to be a one-year deal. Um. And again, okay, I know I know the second one I'm gonna say has been more productive, but you gotta realize this is an air raid offense. What if they don't re-sign their quarterback? We don't know what's gonna happen with everything long term. Jefferson or C D Lamb? Jefferson. Whoa. Oh. I'm taking Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I, like it. I don't know. I don't know. It's no, close. I, I think it's I, close. I mm, uh C D Lamb. are you two both taking cd yeah yeah Yeah. okay that's fine i I think the cowboys get dak back and that's huge yeah i i had cd lamb but i think it's interesting that it's close now between them two that that was my my list i I literally just made a quick list i'm (laughs) excited you guys ready for these very mediocre highlights yeah (laughs) so my first highlight T. Higgins, I think, is really proving that he's legit. And, you know, we're talking about all these other rookie receivers. I think that T. Higgins is kind of, like, sneaking up on people now. Um, He had 100 yards last week, a really big game. And I just kind of want to pose this. I honestly believe that T. Higgins might be the next Allen Robinson, not necessarily the, oh, I'm going to come out and put out wide receiver, like, number one in PPR – production but i think that t higgins might be setting up to be one of those just consistent i'm at a thousand yards a year coming out he's just a very very overall well-rounded receiver and 
to further emphasize this comparison, I just wanted to bring up their, their measurables. Allen Robinson, 74 and a half inches, 220 pounds, ran a 4.640. T. Higgins is um, 76 inches, 215 pounds, ran a 4.59 at his pro day. I just think they're, you know, T. Higgins from, from college, I think he's beefed up a little bit coming into the NFL. While he doesn't necessarily have the verticality that someone like Allen Robinson has, I do think that T. Higgins is a, is a better deep threat than Allen Robinson, maybe not necessarily in contested catches, but I, I see a lot of similarities between these two guys. And if A.J. Green leaves, I think that T. Higgins could be pretty legit and could be a league winner if, if you have him as like a wide receiver two or three. So that, that's my first highlight. You guys the only that. thing I will say about that, because I do like T. Higgins a lot, I really do. I think he's going to have a nice career, and AJ Green is definitely going to move on from Cincinnati after this might year, one way or another. He might even get traded. We've said that in past weeks, but um, I think Tyler Boyd is the better receiver. Personally, I think I think uh, Tyler Boyd is Burrow's favorite target as of right now. Uh, not that that can't change, but I think Tyler Boyd does. I think they are going to be a 1A, 1B kind of situation moving forward, and that could just limit his production fantasy-wise. Um, like, maybe, but I, I don't think that could really hurt T. Higgins that much. I mean, we've seen – there have been plenty of teams this year that have had two very fantasy-relevant wide receivers. you got the Seahawks with DK and Lockett. You've got the Vikings and Cowboys, like I mentioned, the Falcons with Calvin and Julio. And, you know, T. Higgins getting drafted the same uh, draft with uh, Joe Burrow just one round later, essentially, like, first round rookie. He was the first pick of the second round. Like, him just being tied with him for the future and everything, like, I I like T. Higgins as uh, a long-term wide receiver. I agree mostly with Frank there. Same. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I love T. Higgins moving forward, but I'm just saying I think Tyler Boyd is the receiver one in that offense, at least for now. That's, that's also, what I was going to get to your um, – my bad, Frank, give me one sec. That's what I was going to get to your point, uh, Jake. If I'm trying to win this season, I'd take Tyler Boyd, but I think after this season, if I had to own one, I might pick T. Higgins. It's really close. It's Because re- I like Tyler Boyd a lot also, but Higgins has impressed me. I didn't expect him to be this good at all. Well, see, I also like the Allen Robinson comparison because I think T. Higgins is going to be set up as that perennially underrated receiver. That, <laughs> yeah. that everyone is like, oh, well, he's not the best, you know. Um, my other highlight is um, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's back. I'm not the biggest Jimmy Garoppolo fan, but I think against the Dolphins, we all saw that his ankle injury was the real thing holding him back. He goes in against the Rams on prime time. You see he was thrown with all his cleats in the ground, um, really playing confident. And I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is a QB2 the rest of the way, despite some bad matchups. Yeah, um, he looked a lot better. He had all of his weapons available. Uh, obviously, Moster got hurt, but he had Ayuk, um, Debo, and Kittle, which is a really nice trio to have, especially those are guys who just need to get the ball in their hands and they're going to make plays. Um, and I like him as a QB2 for the rest of the season. I would say my only concern with Jimmy G is do the 49ers cut bait with him this offseason? Like, I, I don't, it's a big contract. And maybe 
Shanahan thinks he can get someone else. Maybe he can draft someone else. Maybe he can get someone like a Stafford or Derek Carr. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's tough to judge. I think they end up keeping him, but the risk is there of them just cutting ties. Um, I like that Frank mentioned the bad matchups part because he does have a rough stretch coming up in a little bit, although he does get the Seahawks in the middle of it. Um, but for the playoffs, like if you're a playoff team in a super flex league, Jimmy G probably will be a solid QB two for you to have um, in the playoffs. Cause his last three games, when people normally um, do their playoffs, which is um, weeks 14, 15 and 16, he has the Washington football team, the Dallas Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals. And th- those teams have been pretty friendly to quarterbacks and Arizona, not as much. However, Jimmy G's played really well against Arizona um, since joining the 49ers. So he's someone I would actually look for if I need a second quarterback and I know I'm a contender. I wouldn't mind put paying a little bit to go out and get Jimmy G. I just think for his price right now, if you can get Jimmy G for a reasonable super flex price, I think he could be a really good buy because – there's, there's all this talk about, oh, the 49ers, they can move on from. I think Jimmy G is the starter next year. I think he's the – I mean, obviously the starter the rest of the way this year, barring injury. And I think that – I mean, if you can get the get him for the price that you're getting, you know, other veteran quarterbacks for, guys like Tom Brady and, and Ben Roethlisberger, I think that's a phenomenal deal for a team that needs value. Fair I point. mean, he's definitely not a bad buy at that price. It's just, will you be able to get him at that price? Yeah, um, I, I agree. Like, I don't think you should necessarily, like, go out and be spending first-round picks on Jimmy G. Let's be real here. But if you can get him for a good price. Yeah. Just gauge so, the market uh, a little bit. <laughs> so, now I think we're done with our highlights. Are we, am I correct, boys? Yep. Yeah. So now we're going to have a little fun. We're going to redraft the first two rounds of the rookie draft. We're assuming it is a 12 team league. It is a super flex league and it is a half PPR league just for reference. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to pick first, Luna second, Frank third, JT fourth, and then we'll cycle through all the way through the first two rounds. Um, The, we did go through it and I actually did a full four rounds. Um, the other, the third and fourth round, we're going to post on our website at thirdandtwenty.com. Um, so if you're interested, you guys can go check that out. Uh, highly recommended. So I'll kick us off with the first pick, pick 101. I'm going with Joe Burrow. I know. Uh, I just think in a super flex league, getting a quarterback, especially one that, has looked good through the first six weeks of the year is very important. I honestly was debating going with Justin Herbert in this spot because he's looked phenomenal through his first four starts or whatever it's been. But uh, I'm going to lean with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft and take him here at 101. Uh, yeah, I agree with that pick. I would I would have taken her. I mean, I would have taken uh, Burrow as well. My pick is going to be the other guy you were considering. Um Justin Herbert, he he's as you said, he's looked amazing. Uh, he looks mobile. He's working with kind of like a beat up Chargers offense. He's lost Eckler, and Keenan Allen has been in and out with injuries, but he looks great so far. Um, besides the one game against the Panthers where he had around 15 points, in his other three starts, he's had 
27, 23, and 22.2 as a rookie just coming in. He didn't even get training camp with the starters, OTAs or anything. Like his first start, he found out he was five, uh, starting five minutes before playing. So like uh, Jake said, super flex, you always want to have your QBs. So I'm going Herbert. Yeah, pick three, I just took Edwards Lair. This may come as a shock to people that talked to me before the season because I was a big <laughs> Jonathan Taylor guy. Um, I was considering him for this pick, don't get me wrong. It's just I was talking with Lunas before the show started, and basically the reason why I went Edwards Hilaire was Edwards Hilaire, to me, has improved on some of the things that I didn't like from him at school. Mainly, I thought that he was kind of a liability running in between the guards, not necessarily the tackles. And um, Jonathan Taylor, I, I don't think he's improved on some of the things I didn't like about him coming out, mainly uh, his, his vision. But um, it was still kind of a toss-up. I'm just going to go Edward Hilaire because of the system and, and basically because I think he's improved more so than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, so at pick 104, um, similar to Frank, I was a little concerned about Jonathan Taylor's vision. I mean, I know they didn't have a preseason, crazy camp, all that stuff. Um, but I was like, why not go with the surefire pick in a wide receiver who I will have for a much longer time than any running back, and that's C.D. Lamb, uh, first wide receiver off the board. Um, I already mentioned he's a wide receiver one on the year. He's looked really good. Um, and this is all with only two touchdowns against Cleveland. He doesn't have any other touchdowns on the year. So just imagine um, C.D. Lamb with a couple more touchdowns. He would have had – he would be close to the wide receiver one on the year. I know Dak's not in right now, so he's going to have to deal with Andy Dalton. But regardless if Dak comes back or not or they roll with another quarterback, I just love C.D. Lamb for the future. I think he's such a great wide receiver uh, that you will love for Dynasty for years and years uh, to come. Yeah, so pick 105, I just I took the guy that fell to me uh, as JT and Frank just passed up on. I took Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen what you guys have been talking about with his vision. I think he sees it. I think he's a second like a second or two too slow, and I think that'll come with some experience throughout the league. Um, and running behind the best offensive line in football definitely doesn't hurt if they can get a quarterback that actually can throw the ball uh, because Philip Rivers does not look good this year. Philip Rivers looks really old. So I went with Jonathan Taylor behind the best offensive line. Hope he develops. I don't think you can go too wrong. He's already running deck 15. So. Yeah. I, I was hoping you'd pick Jefferson so I could get there. Cause I, I agree with you. I think it's going to get better with experience. And especially if they can get a quarterback that can actually throw over 20 yards and all the defenders won't be in the box or closer to the line of scrimmage. I think it'll help him a ton. So if you're any Taylor's owner is somewhat worried, I can't talk, worried, which they shouldn't be, he's, he's going to get way better with time. Um, the two things I've kind of learned with Superflex with my pick 106 is, one, you can, never have, you can never have enough quarterbacks, and two, everyone needs quarterbacks. So I am taking Tua, uh, quarterback from Miami, uh, because obviously we haven't seen him play yet, but we've seen the success of the other rookie quarterbacks this year. I liked him a ton coming out of college. I thought talent-wise he wasn't far off from Burrow. I thought he was better than Herbert coming in, uh, and Herbert's played this well. Um, Dolphins have good weapons around him and a pretty solid team. Like They're 3-3, three and three. Um, so I'm taking Tua here. Yeah, with, um, with pick seven, I went with kind of a surprise pick here. I went with Chase Claypool. I was definitely heavily considering Justin Jefferson. 
Um, for me, it was like those are just the two next picks. Like it's got to be Claypool, Jefferson. I don't, I'm not sure you can take anyone else. Um, just for me, I went Mapletron mainly just because I think that he's got more room to grow. Um, when I watched him at Notre Dame, I, I instantly thought that they just didn't use him right. I thought that they were just asking him only to be a vertical threat, which I think the Steelers have proved he is much more than that. And I think that as a receiver, he's, he's just got – he's just going to go up from here. So I, I went with Mapletron, and um, surprise who goes next. <laughs> yeah, so like Frank said, <laughs> I'll be taking Justin Jefferson, which I kind of feel like is a steal at 108. But, oh, 100%. Um, um, my thing with him is he was coming at when he came out, people were saying that he'd be doing a lot of work from the slot. Like that, that was kind of the thing like, Oh, he's just going to really be a slot receiver and they're kind of just gadgets and replaceable. And that's not what he's been on the Vikings so far. Um, he's been playing a lot from the outside and he's now had three games over a hundred yards through, um, six games on the season. So just the immediate production from him, which I love, um, yeah, I already kind of talked to great about him earlier, so I guess we'll move on. Jake at 108. Yeah, I took another receiver at 109. Um, it may not be the guy, the guy you think it's going to be, but I took Henry Ruggs. I was very much debating Jerry Judy, but I honestly like Ruggs, you know, destination, where he landed, his landing spot more than the Broncos. I was high on the Broncos coming into the year, but uh, Drew Locks looked pretty bad. I know he hasn't played a lot because he was injured, but he's looked pretty bad. And I think Henry Ruggs, even though he was injured, they Gruden clearly picked him at 13 overall in the draft for a reason. They've tried to use him in many different ways, and I think that will continue. And he he just has the upside of like a Tyreek Hill type, and I just think the upside's too great here to pass up. Uh, yeah, I like that pick. <laughs> um, at 110, I'm going J.K. Dobbins. Uh, obviously this year we haven't been able to see him at like his full abilities because it's a crowded backfield, but this off season, Mark Ingram's a free agent. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. I would guess probably not, but unless he wants to sign cheap, I'm not hundred percent sure if Gus Edwards is a free agent. Uh, I think he's still on the roster next year, but I think Dobbins is, uh, the more talented back that he can do more. I do think whoever's behind him, whether it be Gus Edwards or someone is still going to get some touches, but having the RB one for the Ravens offense, always pays off. Like you saw, you saw Mark Ingram last year as the RB one, um, how, how well he did. And I think Dobbins is so talented. He's young. So I'm taking Dobbins here. All right. Well, my next pick was easy. I took Jerry Judy. I was thinking about him at seven. So he lasted to 11. Jerry Judy, unbelievably talented. That's really all I have to say. We have not seen the best of Judy yet. And um, once that Broncos offense and organization can figure out what the hell is going on, maybe we can start seeing some production from Judy like people expected. Yeah. And so another surprise faller kind of um, DeAndre Swift, who actually fell in our own rookie draft in our league. Um, you know, he is one of those top five running backs to get drafted. I've, I've said on previous podcasts, I like him better than a few other guys uh, coming into the rookie draft. He was my Prior to the real NFL draft, sorry, he was my 1A, 1B with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I just like that he's able to catch the ball more. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's kind of shown that this year, though, that he actually can be a receiving back, and he hasn't fumbled, which was a concern of mine. But DeAndre Swift um, at 112 feels really good because he's probably – there's one other running back we'll talk about, but he, he's had um, 
pretty solid production when he actually gets the ball. He's been very efficient. Uh, he's only really behind a- AP, and, or I guess they call him AD, um, and carry on Johnson. So I think it will be his backfield to own. Um, and I like that they've used him more um, in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, so moving on, that was the end of our first round. So, But, but at 2.01, I'm going to go with a guy we previously talked about, and that's T. Higgins. Uh, I don't think we have to touch on it much. Uh, we pretty much hit it when we were talking about it earlier, but we like him going forward a lot. Yeah, I can't fault you for the T. Higgins hit. My 2.02 pick, uh, maybe some of people have forgotten about because he's gotten in, he's been injured for a couple of weeks, but Jalen Rager, uh, I had him as a top 10 pick originally. Obviously, he got hurt. So he's been out for a bit, but I still fully believe in my talent. He was able to become a starter right away. Uh, he's going to be a starter. When he comes back on a team that badly needs uh, receiving weapons. We've seen guys like Ward and Fulgham be productive and Rager, I think is much more talented than both of them. So I'm excited to see him when he comes back. I thought in the kind of game and a half that he played, he played pretty well and he would have had better stats. I remember Wentz missed him on like a 70 yard touchdown just by like a yard. Um, so I still think the talent's still there. It's not like a serious injury. His thumb got it. His thumb got hurt. Uh, so he's my pick at two hundred two. All right, at two hundred three, I got the steal of the draft, and I took James Robinson, who is currently RB seven in half point PPR. So I'll take that one. The only DFR. problem I have with him is the the undrafted free agent. No draft stock in him at all. No draft capital in him at all. I was going to ask, uh, how, how, how confident are we in him long term? I think that's the only reason he fell in this draft. Because clearly he's been, you could argue, the most productive rookie, maybe besides Jefferson and CD. But I think people are just worried about his long term. Which, I mean, you can make the case the Jags aren't really going to address running back because they have so many other holes. But RB7. Yeah. That's all you have to say. It's two hundred three. It's a steal. <laughs> yeah, it's his so. second round. I'm, like I can understand maybe if it was I was I was debating taking him at two hundred one, but I like T Higgins a lot, so I went there <laughs> instead. He he would have been my pick at two hundred four. Um, I just like Swift's future a lot better than James Robinson, which is why I picked him at one twelve. Um, am I picking now? Are we? Yep. Are we good? Move? Yeah, you're right. at two hundred four. So so at two hundred four, um, I picked Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver for the Forty ers um, I think him and Debo Samuel are going to be the future wide receiving core for a while. Um, I actually like Brandon Ayuk's prospect better than Debo in the future. Um, I know since Sam Debo's come back, he's out-targeted Ayuk by a tad, just a little bit. But uh, from what I've seen, he's a playmaker, and I, that's that's why I really love about Brandon Ayuk. Oh, yeah, so at 205... I went with a guy that we talked about earlier that people are pretty down on and, uh, and it's understandable, but I went with Cam Akers. Uh, the draft capital is very high and I still think he's a very talented running back. He still hasn't really shown what he's got he's, since he's been hurt and just coming back now. So I still have faith in him, in him for the future. So I'm going to take him here at 205 after he was probably a top five pick uh, or about that in your rookie draft this offseason. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't fall on that hit. The talent's still there. At 206, I'm taking Antonio Gibson. Uh, this year, he's been, at least in half PPR, the RB24. And I think once the Ray, uh, when, sorry, once the Washington football team uh, does get a more legitimate quarterback, I think it's going to help him a lot because teams aren't going to pack the boxes often against him. And we've seen Rivera. We it's all, obviously, he's not McCaffrey, clearly, but We've seen Rivera kind of likes to use the running back in the receiving game a lot. The last three weeks, he's had either four or five catches in each of them. 
and I expect that receiving use to continue. So I like Antonio Gibson in the long term. Yeah, 207, this one, um, I did not expect to draft this guy because I was not very high on him coming out. I took LaVisca Chenault. Um, I think, though, that some of the things I was scared about with him coming out, um, he's proven me wrong in that. Um, and also, I think the Jaguars had a really good plan with how to use him. So I, I took LaVisca Chenault, just another well-producing rookie, and I was surprised that he fell this far into the second round. Yeah, so now picking at 208, I kind of – I wouldn't say it's a lottery ticket, but I, I pick someone who hasn't played much this season due to injury in Brian Edwards. Um, I think one of the bigger knocks against him and why he fell a little bit, fell a little bit in the real draft is because he was injured prior to this. Um, but he's so young. He had such a young breakout age on South Carolina. He's drafted into a great offense with uh, Gruden as his head coach. Um, I just like the future for Brian Edwards. So uh, that's who I'm picking at two a week. So at 209, I went with uh, a guy that was also been injured a little bit uh, this year and Zach Moss. Um, I just really like the spot. I think him and Devin Singletary form a very nice one, two punch with him being the goal line, the bigger back. Um, so, yeah, in, in a good Bills offense, I think he's a guy that's worth 209 here. Uh, yeah, I agree. I like that pick. I was actually going to get him if you didn't take him right there. But so since Zach Moss was off the board at 210, I went with Michael Pittman. He's another guy who maybe some people forgot about a little bit because he's been hurt. But you you can't deny the draft capital. He was the second pick of the second round. So taken really high for a receiver. Uh, we've seen Hilton this season has just completely fallen off. I don't know specifically if it's the chemistry with Rivers or just physically he's not the same, but he has been as like pretty much the only healthy receiver because um, what's the other receiver's name? I'm forgetting. Uh, Paris Campbell has been hurt too. So I, I think that number one receiver spot on the Colts is up for the taking next year. So I, I like Pittman's chances in that. Oh, by the way, off topic, but breaking news, Antonio Brown and the Bucks have agreed to a one-year deal. Uh, language still has to be finalized. COVID protocol is passed, but Brown is likely to make his Bucks debut in week nine next week or week mm, nine. Spicy. <laughs> yeah, Imagine having one of those three court. guys as your number three receiver between Godwin, <laughs> Mike Evans, or Antonio Brown. Guys, I think I'm out on Scotty Miller. Fraud. <laughs> that fraud. He's a fraud. Um, it doesn't make me feel great about Tyler Johnson either. Honest, meanwhile, but... meanwhile, the Jets' number one is like Jeff Smith. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the Jets in a second, Lunas. <laughs> so, 211, I went with Gabriel Davis. This might, as come, uh, might have come as a shock to some of my fellow drafters, but I listen, I wasn't I huge on Gabriel Davis, Davis like coming out. Um, you know, I thought that at UCF, he, he was just. They, they had such a simple offense and a simple route tree for him. But, man, you can really tell that he has been grinding in the film room and with his coaches because he looks like much more of a complete receiver. The route tree concerns that I had are just completely non-existent in that Buffalo offense. And I think that going forward, at the end of the second round, Gabriel Davis is as good of a prospect as you can ask for. Yeah, and so speaking of the Jets and end of the second round, 
Uh, with pick 212, someone who was picked in the end of the second round in the actual NFL draft, um, who has not seen the field yet, I'm going with Denzel Mims, wide receiver for the Jets. Uh, Lunas mentioned <laughs> the number one wide receiver right now for the Jets is probably Jeff Smith. I mean, it's actually Jamison Crowder, but Jamison Crowder is hurt this week. He's been battling injuries all year. Same with Brashard Perryman. Um, Denzel Mims is just going to have a ton of opportunity. So I figured why not just take the pick on Denzel Mims and see what he can do. Cause he, he's got so much, he's got all the chance in the world now for him. And, you know, we, we don't know. It's hard to predict what's going to happen with the, the Jets quarterback future. But if someone like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields ends up back there, we know Adam Gase can't possibly be back next year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Give me Denzel Mims at two twelve. Yeah, like so that, that wraps up those first two rounds. Um, uh, if you guys want to see the rest of the, the draft that we did, we did rounds three and four, but it gets a little iffy. The prospects start to become less and less known and impactful, obviously. So um, that'll be posted up on our website, thirdand20.com. Go check it out. So now we're going to move on to one of our weekly segments. We're going to move up to our trending up and trending down section. So if uh, one of you guys want to kick it off, uh, let's hear it. I can start. Um, so trending up this week, I know he's had a very rough season. So we can do his NFL play is a whole different debate. I'm talking strictly fantasy. I have Carson Wentz. It's my trending up. He was pretty horrible to say the least. Uh, first two weeks of the season, scoring only 13 and 12.3 the first two weeks. But I think since then, he's he's bounced back well. Heading into last night, he was QB 10 on the season. And then he put up a 27.75 point performance. Uh, the past couple weeks, um, he's had 27.7 yesterday against the Giants. He had 29.5 against Baltimore. Pittsburgh was a bit of a rough game with 17, but then 21 and 22, the two games before that. I think he's starting to kind of find his rhythm more. He's going to get more of his receivers back. Goddard's going to be back. Miles Sanders will be back. Rager will be back. And that O-line will kind of start to show up. So he he's my trending up for this week. I thought he started to give a lot of fantasy production. I think the main thing also which has helped him is his rushing uh, this year has kind of increased out of nowhere ever since. Like this is the most I've seen him run since that 2017 season. He has five rushing touchdowns on the year. He had like four in his career up until this year. So I think that's helped him a ton, him using his legs more. Um, and then if no one has anything to say on Wentz, my trending down, uh, we touched on it earlier, so I'm not going to go too in depth into it, but, uh, Juju Smith, Juju Smith Schuster, for the same reasons, um, JT mentioned earlier, uh, the, the past couple of weeks, he really just hasn't been productive at all. Besides those touchdowns at the beginning of the year, past two weeks against the Eagles and Browns, which aren't exactly like insane secondaries. He's had 4.8 points and 1.6, and this is without Deontay Johnson for the most part. Uh, Deontay Johnson is going to come back, so it's going to be him, uh, Claypool, and then Juju. So, uh, I don't know. He's still insanely young. He's only 23 years old, which is as old as, like, like that's how old Michael Pittman is, who's a rookie. Uh, but I, I don't know. It, it's, there's a lot of questions about Juju right now. Yeah. So, my trending up this week, Tua. He got the starting job. Uh, I think it was a little strange timing, to be completely honest with you. Um, they just just came up a win. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been playing really well. 
Uh, I know they have a bye and that this was probably pre-planned that he was going to take over after the bye week. But I still think it's strange timing. But in, but nevertheless, two has taken over the starting job, trending up. Yeah, I'm really excited to see him play. You must have really liked those two completions, Jake. Yo, those <laughs> two completions for 10 yards last week. Wow. Stock is up. Big time stuff. Stock is going up. Brian Flores apparently loved it. I'm kind of sad for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yo. Yeah, he was more emotional than I thought about it, which, I mean, I don't blame him. Like, you feel connection as a starter, but I don't know. I'm excited to see him, though. Do you think they trade him? Fitzpatrick? Uh, who's, who's trading for Fitzpatrick? No, He's shot. on a one-year Dallas. deal, right? Put him on the Colts. Dallas I actually Colts. wouldn't even be bad. I think he's better than Phillip Rivers right now. Exactly. Put him on the Colts. I'd love to see that <laughs> offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick doing stupid shit all the time. Be great. I love, I love um, to see just Philip Rivers and Ryan Fitzpatrick like beefing. <laughs> <laughs> the two hey, like the Phillip funnier Rivers, quarterbacks in the NFL. Philip Rivers do- doesn't curse. He'll just be like, "Gosh darn it!" <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love you guys. Remember that one video of like him talking shit to the Jags defensive lineman? Yes. Oh, he was like, "Great play. hit, great hit, man, great hit." <laughs> 90 <laughs> yard touchdown. <laughs> like in his face. Even the ref is like, we keep moving. He was, he was talking trash a couple of weeks ago where he said, uh, I forget who he was talking to. I guess the to. Bears. You got turned it, on. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was like, he got, he got the edge on you. <laughs> like, about Jonathan <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my trending down uh, might be a little surprising. It's James Robinson. We talked about him earlier. Um, he has been the most productive rookie running back. He's running back eight, I think it is, in half PPR. But over the past few weeks, his yards per carry have been going way down. And and his snap percentage is actually going down. Also, uh, I don't know if that's just due to just being down in games and needing to throw the ball more or not. But um He's, he's He only averaged 2.4 yards per carry last week on 12 carries, 29 yards. Not good. Uh, I, I, he's an undrafted free agent. Um, I really just don't see him being a long-term asset. And honestly, kind of view him similarly to like a guy like Philip Lindsay, who was an undrafted free agent a few years ago, had a really nice you know, two years. But then guess what? The team went out and signed a Melvin Gordon type running back who's been proven to be an absolute beast and he's been playing well this year also so i don't know how you guys feel about this but i have him trending down i, I yeah. agree with you uh sorry just real quick i'm just gonna make this short i agree with you and i will say warning to james robinson owners his playoff schedule is brutal the final three games are at baltimore versus chicago and then at indianapolis who has a really good run defense so that that's a terrible playoff schedule for a running back yeah, that's a good point. I, I like James Robinson's outlook better than Philip Lindsay, just in the fact that he's like a bigger back. Like he can pass block better than Philip Lindsay. Uh, I think he's got a future in the league. I mean, will he be the unquestioned number one running back in the future? I, I don't know, but I, I think he's someone that's here to stay. I, I, I like him still. Um, and if no one else has anything to add, I'll start my uh, trending up. All right, my trending up on the year is Dallas or on the week is Dallas Goddard. And it's really for not much that he did. <laughs> like news is coming out that he should be back week 10. 
um, which will be nice for the Eagles. Like they desperately need any kind of receiving options, but it's more so about Zach Ertz. Um, news came out around the league. NFL executives thought that um, Philadelphia probably would have tried to trade Zach Ertz prior to the deadline, but now Ertz is injured. So that's probably not happening, but the writing's on the wall. It seems like Zach Ertz will not be um, around in the future on the Eagles. So it's looking like that's Dallas Goddard's uh, tight end spot, number one tight end spot for the Eagles. We know that they like to target them. They used to target two of them when they're both healthy on the field. They have no other real options. I mean, Rager will Even be Richard coming Rogers back. had a good game. Yes, yeah. I picked him up and started him. <laughs> it was a good, good, good pickup by me. I'm going to pat myself on the back right there. Um, and, yeah, if you guys just don't have anything up. Just for you – Listening, JT actually physically patted himself on well, the back. Well, I don't want to get called out for not patting myself on the back. I'm man, he, he also kind of struggled with it. He may have like pulled something. That's, that's not true. That's not true. I'm very flexible. I'm like the gazelle over here. Um, <laughs> taking my turning up and down off the rails. What's yeah, <laughs> wrong with you guys? Future wide receiver for the Eagles, JT, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might switch. Don't at me. All right, all right, time out. We're calling timeout. I'm putting Dallas Goddard on trending down. He's on watch. I'm about to take his job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. This one might be a shock to many, but my trending down is Michael Thomas. And, you know, slam boy. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not going to like tank his value, but like, at the start of the season, I think many would have said Michael Thomas was a top three wide receiver dynasty-wise. Uh, you know, some combination of DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, and then maybe Tyreek Hill was right up there too. But there's just been a lot of questions about like his off-the-field issues, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy this year, where I'm going to drop him down a few spots. Like I, I think I'd rather have a player like DK Metcalf or Tyreek Hill or Calvin Ridley above Michael Thomas. I mean, that's probably the extent. I don't think I'd really go much further than that, but he went from that, that top, top of the tier wide receivers to someone a little bit lower, um, which is pretty big when you think of trade value and everything. So I, I'm having Michael Thomas as my trending down. Quick yeah. question for you. What it? How much would an owner have to add on top of Justin Jefferson, if anything, if you were a Michael Thomas owner? Oh, uh, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little. Are, are you a contender? I, think I mean, I, I'm assuming if you have Michael Thomas, you're not a, a horrible. Okay, team. so like, so like a decent. So team. like, you're at least middle of the pack at best. Yeah. At worst. So like, you're just you're just not like a tanking team. Okay. Um. Or it's what if it was? What if it was like even CD Lamb? Like, do you, would you do you guys do that straight up? Like, like it's what's, just tough what's to his buy value at right now? Because you know you're gonna lose the the chemistry with Breeze. Breeze is gone after this year. Everyone knows it. You know what but, I will say though. What I will say, and this is like the honestly the main thing I'm hoping for next season, not relating to any of my favorite NFL teams. I hope so bad that the Saints just give the reins to Jameis Winston. <laughs> and then that'll be Yo, interesting. I've been saying it for for weeks. The Jameis Winston Saints offense will be better than the Drewbies. That that might that might increase year. Thomas's value. You saw how yeah. Godwin and Mike Evans were. 
It's just well, chucking it deep 50 times a game. Not only that, not only that, but uh, last year, Drew Brees mi- missed weeks two through, I think, seven. And Michael Thomas, like, did not miss a beat with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I mean, granted, well, Teddy Bridgewater Teddy is still Bridgewater a star. Likes to, Teddy Bridgewater likes to dump off passes to those the routes that Michael Thomas likes to run. Those two fit very well together. Jameis, on the other hand, is more of a gunslinger. Teddy Bridgewater is much. Yeah, but who on that team are you gunslinging it to? Like you're not going to. Smith, I don't know. (laughs) Like Emmanuel Sanders probably isn't going to be there. (laughs) We're going to put Jason Hill as the deep threat. You know how how mad I'd be as an NFL team if my team got scored on from a Jameis Winston to Taysom Hill touchdown. (laughs) It's going to happen. It might happen this year. It might happen this year. All right, that's my trending up and down, though. All right, well, my trending up off of last night's performance is Sterling Shepard. I've always been a Sterling Shepard fan. This kid is really talented. He just can't stay on the field, which has been his main issue. But I will tell you what, you know, him, Daniel Jones to Sterling Shepard easily looked like the best connection from the Giants, possibly even all season. I know Darius Slayton, there's a lot of people that like him. I I do like his talent, but I don't think that Darius Slayton has that number one potential like Sterling Shepard does. Sterling Shepard, just an elite level route runner. And if if he's finally able to stay healthy, I think that he can easily be a wide receiver too. And if you can get him for a good price as a contender, I would pull the trigger because I am a huge Sterling Shepard fan. And I think that he can come out and be the number one receiver on the Giants and just a, a good wide receiver too moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you, all know I'm a, you all know I'm a Giants fan. You probably know I'm a Darius Slayton owner. Um, but I, I, whenever, I, whenever Slayton and Shepard have been on the field at the same time, Shepard always dominates the targets, especially – around the, the goal line, just like last night. Um, I really liked uh, Shepard a lot. The pro- like you said, the problem is this dude is like one concussion away from being locked in a black room the rest of his life. So uh, <laughs> buyers beware on that, but I do like um, Sterling Shepard a whole lot. I've, I think it I've helps kind of, out both teams when you have them both playing. Yeah, I have two comments on it. One, uh, one good and bad. I'll start with the bad one. I think obviously he's very talented, but I don't I don't know if I'm willing to say I'd rather have or like when he's healthy, he's better than Slayton. I'll give to Slayton's advantage. He had Darius Slay on him for most of the game. And Darius Slay this season has been probably like, what do you want to argue, like a top eight corner? Um, he's been really good this year. So for him to follow him for the entire game, I think that's kind of tough. And Daniel Jones is under pressure all night. And Sterling Shepard was able to go against the Eagles' number two corners, who hasn't been good, NRC and Avante Maddox. Uh, they haven't been great. So I will say that. But on Shepard's side, a stat that I found, I'm, I'm pulling out random stats today. Um, in the games that he's been healthy and has played the majority of, in 18 consecutive games, he's had at least six targets, which I found to be a kind of surprising stat. He just gets open. I. Like, I don't think necessarily that he's more talented than, than Slayton. I just think that Sterling Shepard consistently gets open more than Slayton, and that's exactly what the Giants' offense needs. And that's why I was saying earlier, like, I think that having Sterling Shepard on the field not only it obviously helps Sterling Shepard owners, but I also think it helps Darius Slayton owners and that it finally gives 
the Giants some sort of threat other than Slayton. I mean, without Saquon Barkley, what, you're going to have Daniel Jones run for 70, 80 yards every game? Like, I think it finally opens things up because Evan Ingram, I'm, I, I think he's talented, but he's just such a bum. He always lets you down. So I think that oh, this- don't don't get me started on that, dude. He is such a bum. Maybe it'll nope. wake him up like I woke up James Conner after week one calling him a <laughs> fucking bum. But Jesus Christ, this man drops so many balls. I Even the interception out- earlier yeah. in the game. Yeah, I mean, he obviously dropped the big one on that the fourth quarter drive that gave the Eagles a uh, chance oh, yeah, if here. He, but- if he catches it, it's done. The Giants win. Oh, the game's it. over. You got a first down, the game's over. But – uh you know, this this man needs to wake the fuck up because he was a first-round pick, and he's just – one, can't stay healthy, and two, when he's on the field, he makes some electric plays because he's super athletic, but he also makes a lot of bad ones and just drops a whole lot of balls. It's a shame. Last year when he was healthy, he was insanely good last year. Like So, like, that's the frustrating part I get for Giants fans. Like, you know he's talented. He's so fast. He's big. He's like a good route runner. It's just, it's so inconsistent. He can never put it like all together. And then his health also. And um, my trending down is Mike Isicki. Um, I think that Mike Isicki's issue of blocking has really come to bite him and especially bite fantasy owners because you constantly see the Dolphins using a whole lot of tight ends. And a lot of times it's not Mike Isicki. Adam Shaheen. <laughs> And I, I attribute that directly to the fact that he is just not a competent blocker in the NFL. He's a great receiver. Everyone knows he's a vertical threat. And when you get in the red zone, he, he's definitely a threat and should be on the field. But in terms of being that number one tight end that you want so that you're not in the wasteland, it's looking like Gusecki might not be that guy or he needs to develop more to become that guy. So with the announcement that Tua is starting after the bye week, I mean, obviously, none of us know yet. But who do you guys think is the the receiving option to own out of Miami going forward? I think I think it's going to be Devonte Parker. Um, obviously, Preston Williams has started to get going, and they could build a rapport. But I just think a lot of times when these rookies come in, you see them kind of just over trusting and just going to like that number one receiver. Like he's a big body, big catch radius. Uh, I, I think it's going to be Devonte Parker. Like you saw what. Um, uh, Joe Burrow leaning on uh, Boyd. You saw Herbert has been heavily leaning on Keenan Allen. So I expect it to continue with Devontae Parker. I think Gasicki could definitely see a jump in value if to a place. It's just, is he going to be on the field? That's just the whole problem with Gasicki is that he's, he's not getting enough snaps on top of targets to be consistently a number one tight end and a lot of the times it's depending on the matchup you see one week he'll go off and the next week he'll barely play but I I do agree with Lunas I think that if you're going to own a receiver on that team it probably has to be um, Devontae Parker yeah I don't have anything to add to that and if you guys don't we can move on to the the um, final segment of la- today's last, pod. La- last comment real quick. I don't know if you guys saw. I sent it to you guys earlier. I have a trending up for one specific week, even though he's already insanely up. I don't know if you guys saw Ryan Clark call Derrick Henry <laughs> fraudulent bravery and said he's not ready for the boys at Pittsburgh. 
<laughs> How does you Ryan need to Clark give Derek half the time? He's not ready for the boys. He's not ready. <laughs> <laughs> he says he says he only acts tough around guys in the secondary, but he's not ready for that Steelers front seven. He's not. He's fraud. <laughs> no. I will so say the Steelers' run defense is very good. Niners. If if you're playing against Derrick Henry, I apologize in advance on behalf of Brian Clark for the 200 yards he gives you this week. That's me this week. I'm playing against him. He's not ready for the boys. <laughs> I love that. Frank, I'll, I'll send you the clip after this episode. It was really funny. Ryan you can Clark. The questions. Hey, don't, right. I love Ryan Clark. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, Great. of course you love Ryan Clark. Of course you do. Steelers <laughs> fan. <laughs> the toughest guys I've seen play football. I love that man. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything bad to say about his. Football yeah, exactly. Game. Yeah, exactly. I just. Ha- I just don't like him <laughs> on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I don't like you on this podcast. How about that? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you got me big time, Frank. Got me. <laughs> All right. So uh, the only question we have this week um, is: How does an injury history? Uh, alter your impression or your value of certain players. Guys like, you know, Devontae Adams, who seems to get hurt every year. Chris Carson, who has a big-time injury history. Will Fuller, as we touched on earlier in the pod. Um, yeah, what are, you, what are you guys' thoughts? I want to start real quick because I'm probably the worst person to ask this question to. Oh, yeah, Todd Gurley's still good. Basically, <laughs> basically I'm not a fucking doctor. All right. I'm not a <laughs> So I don't care. All right. I'll trade for players that I think are good. I don't care about the injuries. I'll leave the injuries to the doctors. Yeah, but you traded for Todd Gurley after the doctor said his knees are shit. Todd Gurley's still one of the best running backs in the NFL. I don't care. I don't care. I'll live in my <laughs> fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> my, my... My opinion on it, it, it depends. It really depends on the players. Um, like, like there are times where there's an injury where, like, I'm not going to say someone's injury prone because of something like Saquon Barkley towards ACL. There's zero part of me that thinks Saquon Barkley's injury prone. Like, like I, well, I'm not the- talking about that. I'm talking about guys with injury history that get hurt repeatedly and repeatedly. I'm not talking about one major injury. Here. Yeah, I, I just want to emphasize that because don't don't let one major like muscle tear because like, that that just happens. That could happen to any athlete anywhere. Uh, as for repeat history, it's you kind of have to just weigh the risk and reward. Like, obviously, do you want someone like Devontae Adams? Yeah. But you got to know he might miss like four or five uh, games a year, and it's not going to get easier as he gets older. Like, the the more by each season goes on, it's probably like not so much that he's going to get hurt more games per year, but there's a higher chance of it. So I just think it's weighing the cons. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, you have to weigh the cons in terms of like, if Will Fuller never had an injury history, his value would have been insane last offseason when Hopkins got traded, but he does. So you have to take that into account. Like, you know, he's talented, but you know, his history. So I think you just got to learn to balance it. Yeah. It's all about risk taking too. I feel like it's very easy to talk yourself out of players who have been injured before. Like I've seen people talk about Keenan Allen as being like injury prone and Keenan Allen has not missed many games over his career. There's only a few, like the reason people think that is because he got, injured in like back-to-back seasons in his first like three years i'll pull up the the numbers of how many games he's played but it's because of his injury history early in his career recently 
he hasn't missed a lot of games, and you're right about that, but people still think of him as missing those games. Yeah, it was 20, 2015 and 2016 that he uh, had two big injuries. But that's the thing. Like, Keenan Allen's uh, such a good wide receiver, but people are like, I don't know, he's been injured, even though those, both those injuries happened over three years ago. Like, it's very easy to talk yourself out of good players because of injuries. And it's the NFL almost everyone gets injured. Like, like it's very hard for a player to go there in their entire career without missing any games. Also a good resource for injuries in fantasy football is sportsinjurypredictor.com. We are not affiliated with them in any way, but it's a great resource. So. They paid us $50 for so that. Shout out. <laughs> I wish they paid us $50. For that. <laughs> yeah. Sports injury predictor. will be sending you the invoice. they're backing up the brinks truck for us (laughs) all right if you guys have nothing left to add i think that's the end of this podcast boys short and sweet Uh, for listening and thank you frank for joining us this week as always feel free to come on every episode yeah as always if you have any questions you want us to answer on the pod tweet at us that's at third and 20 at three rd a and d two zero uh underscore at the end so if you have any questions hit us up on twitter and we'll answer you guys in the next pod so thank you guys thanks guys yep thanks for having me on guys appreciate it always